is good everybody welcome back to the 30th episode of the bird flock podcast it's great cup week and uh little did we expect at the beginning of the year especially when we first started this podcast your montreal alouettes are playing in this freaking great cup man shader you got to watch the game i was coaching my championship game i didn't get to watch the game live i watched the recording um, obviously you were, you were shooting me updates fast and furious, but oh, buddy. Tell, tell me some of the vibe from watching that Eastern conference finals against the juggernaut Toronto Argonauts. Dude, first of all, just kind of like you said, um, when we started this podcast, never mind, did we think we'd see this team in a great cup? We didn't even think we, we would see this team. I know we were scared. Like, like there, was, there was no owner. There was, there was talks about Montreal might leave the CFL. There was, you know, Danny Mac for agency didn't know if he could spend money starting quarterback walked out the door uh arguably the two uh most important pieces in Pickett and Gino Lewis walked out the door um and then right right when free free agency hit something happened and it was a magical run Danny Mac opened up the checkbook brought in some big names um led us to right where we are now and that Saturday vibe, uh, sitting here in the apartment, uh, absolutely electric from from the start of the game. Um, Toronto kind of came out there and, and was moving the ball, and I, I'm not going to lie, I got a little nervous early on. Uh, kind of brought back flashbacks of that game in Toronto when they absolutely stomped us the way they were moving the ball, and, and A.J. Willette could not be stopped on that drive. And then just out of nowhere, Dequois pick six, and mm-hmm. it was – it was curtains from there. The defense uh, kind of showed up the way they've been showing up all year. And like we've talked about so many times, there's something about uh, an October on Noel Thorpe-led defense that they just turn it up. And it, it it's so magical to watch every year. But that game was was from, like I said, from that pick six was just seeing that defense, the way they rallied, uh, nine turnovers in the game. Insane. Uh, two you know, third, third down QB sneak stops uh, in the red zone, which was absolutely wild. And you kind of saw, <clears throat> you know, that they had the momentum a little bit after the Dequa interception, but it was really when they stopped Chad Kelly in that first uh, QB sneak that you knew like the game had just kind of taken over and Montreal's defense was, was kind of setting the tone for that game uh, and everything switched. And you could even hear in the stadium, like it kind of went dead when Montreal uh, stopped it. Unfortunately, the offense didn't didn't move the ball um, that well kind of in, in the first half and starting the second half, it started slow, but they towards the end, they kind of got it going. But, dude, that defense is magical. And we, we, tweeted out, we tweeted out that this is a championship-level defense and, you know, they're in the championship game and, and <laughs> this is what it's going to take. And, and I think it was Gino Lewis uh, tweeted out too, said, you know, Offense sells sells tickets, but defense wins championships, and that's exactly what the Alouettes are 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 in for on Sunday. One hundred percent. And honestly, the the updates you were giving me, and just even watching the game when I knew the result afterwards, I don't know if you remember the game earlier on in the year when they played Winnipeg in Winnipeg, um, when the defense just stood on their head. Dequa had two picks; he had a pick six in that game, but the offense just couldn't keep up with it and we ended up losing that game i think the our defense scored all of our points that was the same vibe i was getting through the first quarter 
especially with the text you were sending me. I was like, oh, Dequa pick six, let's go 10 nothing or 10 three or whatever it was. Fire me up. And then I thought back to that Winnipeg game. I was like, ah, shit, we've kind of seen this before. But that has to be, after watching it, a top three defensive performance in league history. Like, unbelievable. And the, the, my favorite thing about it is, obviously, outside of Decois, all eight of the other turnovers, or all six of the other actual turnovers, ex- excluding, uh, excluding turnover on downs, were guys that weren't here last year. KB and Ento had a pick six. Reggie, the fucking guy, had a pick. Darnell Sankey had a pick. Sean Lemon, forced fumble. Like, it's insane what these, especially, and we've said it a million times, the, these two mid, mid-season acquisitions in Lemon and Sankey, it's insane what they've done for this team and this defense. Um, and it, it's it's so exciting to see. Obviously, Reggie had the, the great pick. That was at a great time, too. Um but no, you're gonna tell me for that guy that that game didn't mean something more than going to the Grey Cup, dude. He knew he came out, and you saw it from the first drive. He came out, and it was it meant something more. You know, it, the week after not being nominated for Rookie of the Year, playing against the guy that was nominated for Rookie of the Year, that game meant a lot to him. And he came out, and I think he led the team in tackles. He was all over the field. Him and Bev once again, like they have been all year since they've been put in those roles. Yeah. It was it was amazing. Yeah, 100%. I'm, I'm going to go out here in a very, very early 2024 prediction. Dude, Reggie Stubblefield is without a doubt in the defensive player of the year conversation early on next year. Like, he's going to have good opening season odds for defensive player of the year, the way he jumps around and, and moves around that field. It's insane. He forces fumbles. He gets picks. He gets so many tackles. He's in on every single tackle, it seems. He is a super, super early dark horse for defensive player of the year. Um. But no, and then offensively, obviously, it was it was tough to get it going. We we kind of needed to when we or we did when we needed to. But um, again, your reactions live to you know a little bit more on the defense and things like that. I'm not gonna. I'm sorry. At, at a certain point, I got a little nervous. Uh, even even though we were up like uh, a, a couple scores, uh, I think it was twenty one to twenty four to three or something at one point. Um, I was still nervous when they scored that touchdown to make it 24 10. Oh, dude. I was like, okay, there's, there's still a lot of time left. And like, it's Toronto. No matter how good this defense has been playing, they've been on the field all day. And we've seen that happen so many times when a defense is balling out of their mind, but they're on the field the whole game that at a certain point it, it, it just breaks. Mm-hmm. So I was sitting there and I was like, it's Toronto. It's Chad Kelly, the guy who's probably going to win MOP. And then, like you said, just um, kind of, we, th- we could talk about the James Letcher uh, kick yeah. return because that, that took everything out of Toronto. That was it. Yeah. Uh, if he doesn't return that and Montreal doesn't move the ball, I think we're talking about probably Toronto scoring on that drive. And then, you know, it's, it's a seven point game or whatever, Who but knows? Who knows? yeah, but um, just like you said, that Reggie Stubblefield interception came at the perfect time. Toronto's trying to get the, the momentum back in their favor and they're trying to drive the ball and just Reggie stepped in front and, and that was it. Um, and even that Sean Lemon uh, strip sack, it was like right before the half. Yeah, Cody. Cody had just thrown, uh, in my opinion, would you know was a bad interception um, to end the half kind of thing. And you're sitting here like, okay, Toronto's probably gonna get three out of this at least. And then on the first play of the drive, I think it was, you just see Sean Lemon come off the edge, and you knew you, it kind of had like one of those feelings of 
he was shot out of a cannon and he just went and Chad Kelly never saw him coming. And I think it was Sankey that picked up that ball too. Um, so like we said, those two guys were amazing, but the offense, it started out where it was like, okay, we didn't, we didn't have two and outs on the first two drives. And it was like, okay, we could see with the game plan here. They're, they're going to roll a little bit. And then it just kind of Toronto started blitzing like crazy and stuff. Um, and Cody was on his back for a lot of it. Uh, the run game, once again, wasn't really utilized. Um, so I think that being one one dimensional didn't really help us here. But um, I think there's a way that this offense will get going because I, I, I think seeing it early in that half, they made it a point to kind of use Tyler Sneed um, on short routes to give Cody, to let Cody get the ball out of, out of his hand quick. And that's exactly what they're going to need against a team that just put up 10 sacks against VA and the BC Lions. Um, They're going to need those quick routes. Tyson Philpott, I think is going to have a huge game this week. Uh, He's going to have to under those short routes and uh, Tyler Snead too. I don't, I don't know how much Austin Mack is going to kind of be a factor, which is kind of crazy to say uh, because of it depends how much time Cody has, but Tyler Sneed and Tyson Philpott, in my opinion, are going to have two big, two big games this week, and they're going to need to have two big games. Which is – we haven't spoken – obviously, we spoke with Tyler Sneed and had him on the show. Um, but, dude, any other year, Tyler Sneed is in the Rookie of the Year conversation too. There's just been so many rookies, and especially with Reggie on this team, Tyler Sneed is absolutely in the conversation for one of the best rookies this year. Obviously, the three-touchdown game doesn't hurt for his stats, but he has been consistent all year long. Um but yeah, no, I completely agree. I haven't uh, I haven't taken a look much at the injury report or anything like that, but is there anyone we can expect back that you know potentially for this game or uh like you said, I haven't really looked at it, but um I'm sure guys uh that were that were kind of on the cusp of playing, I'm sure guys like Kon and, and PO Lestage are gonna be on that field. Yeah. Um, you know, it's the biggest game of their career. They're gonna they're gonna do everything they can to get on that field. And that's another kind of Kind of thing for the O line, you know. Um, they get their nominee for for offensive lineman of the year in PL Lestage back. That's going to help Cody. And then again, another security blanket that um, I said for the first half of the year uh, before he got hurt was uh, his over yards were free, and that's Kayon Julian Grant. And the way that we saw uh, kind of the report between him and Cody grow throughout the season, um, we always joke about how many screens he gets in a game, but. Um, that's getting the ball out quick and, and having Kayon back is massive. Kayon and Piolas Daz are probably the two biggest helpful things for, for, for Cody going into this game on, on Sunday. Yeah, I would agree. And then even getting someone like Terrell Richards back for this game, just like from a special teams point of view would be huge. Um, I don't think we'll see Greg Ellingson get back out there, but uh imagine that he comes back he's great cup mvp oh man i'd be i'd be fired up if that happened but dude like it's just crazy like i i i think all of saturday all of sunday i was just there like i cannot believe the owls are going back to the great cup i woke up sunday morning and it was kind of like did that happen dude like we said it and we also i don't want to i don't want to put anyone on blast here but uh, me, you, and Cam obviously have season tickets. And at the beginning of the year, you missed either the preseason game or the season opener. 
and Cam and I shook hands and sent you a picture that we made the same agreement as last year that if the Owls are going to the Grey Cup, so are we. But uh, I don't know. I've been looking at tickets in Hamilton. I'm waiting for I'm waiting for the salty ass Argos fans that pre bought their tickets, like the cocky shits <laughs> they are, to come to their senses and sell them at a loss to me. But um, no, I, I would love to make my way down to Hamilton. Obviously, Montreal, like you guys could uh, you know see from a lot of the guys' stories and all that, they've already made their way down to Hamilton, which is so fun, especially for some of these young guys that have never been there before. Obviously, the Owls have some vets that have been there before, but I would imagine the core of this team hasn't been to a great cup yet. Um, it's got to be so fun. A whole week down there, obviously, you know, media stuff to do all week. Like, you're, you're the biggest talk of the town for a whole week. I think that's going to be really exciting. Yeah, and um, just looking at the team, like you said, most of the core hasn't been there. Off the top of my head, the only guy I could think of um, – kind of in the starting offense, aside from Cody Fajardo, who's been there, but as a backup. Um, the only guy I can think of is is Jameson. That that was uh, – not Jameson, sorry. Justin uh, Lawrence. Justin Lawrence, yeah. He was there he, last year. Last year. I mean, that's the only guy off the top of my head I could think of, uh, except for, I think, Greg Ellingson, but he I don't really consider him right now in the starting offense. I don't know. Christian Matt's like 80. He didn't play with Calvillo. No, I'm pretty sure he said it in the uh, – I was watching a bunch of the guys' Instagram lives. Yeah, after the game, and I'm pretty sure he stood up and said this was his first his first okay. game, uh, going to the Grey Cup. So, I think I think it's just uh, our boy our boy Lawrence. That's uh, that's crazy. Man. Return and he's he he came and remember talking to him. He said the reason he signed in Montreal is because he believed this team uh, was going to win a Grey Cup, and, and they were close. And we didn't really think it'd be this year, but. Nope. I'm fired up that it is. And, like, it's and... crazy. Like, I, I listen to TSN 692, and the, the thing that they bring up a lot on there, like, whenever they talk about the Owls, is how at the beginning of the year, Danny Machocha literally had his hands tied. He could not spend money. He was told by the ownership, you can't spend a dollar right now. We couldn't re-sign anyone. We couldn't sign anyone. How is this team on their way to the final, on their way to the Great Cup? It blows my mind. And again, we've said it all year, but like, just praise to what Danny Mac did, man. He he did a lot with not a lot. Like, the pieces he brought in have been unreal. His biggest mistake, and I think the entire city of Montreal owes him a public apology, but cutting Reggie Stubblefield out of camp is just like crazy to me. But he found him. The the scouting team found him found somewhere. Him somehow. Brought him into the city, but um, absolutely crazy. So, there I think is it's time changing. Eight other GMs kicking themselves that they did not pick him up when he was free for what three weeks, two, three weeks. Yeah. And like talking to Reggie, he was so hungry. He would have gone to the first team that picked up the phone and he would have gone to Saskatchewan and lived in the fucking prairies and fucking he didn't care. He did not care. He would have gone anywhere. And now there's definitely eight other GMs saying, What the hell did we miss? Yeah. So I think it's time to to preview the game. We haven't even spoken about who we're playing. So in the West final, obviously we had the Winnipeg Blue Bombers beating the BC Lions. We won't get into that game too much. I really would have loved to play the Lions just to play VA. I think that would have been such a cool story. Like it would have been so there there would have been so much content leading up to actual game day. But playing the biggest dynasty in recent CFL history in the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Um I don't know. Like he, 
it's a it's a it, there's not much more to say outside of the fact that it's a really good team like they're, they're they're a good team they've been there before they have the best coach in the cfl they have the best quarterback in the last decade what are your thoughts just going into the game and what do the owls specifically have to do to, to win on sunday i think uh kind of listening a little bit to, to jason moss speak um he said it right uh they kind of asked about uh, how Montreal hasn't really been here before. Um, and his answer was basically, yeah, four years ago, neither was Winnipeg and they won that game. So oh, I think he kind of said it right is it doesn't matter um, at a certain, you know, experience matters a little bit, mm-hmm. but Winnipeg also lost it last year with all their experience that Toronto didn't have. Um, you know, it, it's possible that this young hungry team in Montreal that just beat kind of the best team in CFL history or, or labeled the best team in CFL history, kind of routed them in their home uh, building with the biggest crowd ever. Um, you know, it, it's something to put respect on on these guys' names and kind of the underdog story that Montreal's bought into all year. Um, you know, Cody came in and said this wasn't a rebuilding season. I love that. That quote goes in the Hall of Fame. And, and – We're, look where they're kind of sitting here right now. Um, bought into that underdog mentality. Kind of like, um, I don't really want to compare it that much, but I'm, I'm going to. The Eagles beating the Patriots in 2018. Yeah. That that underdog mentality, they came in and they bought in to, hey, we weren't supposed to be here. So just kind of leave everything on the field every game. And whatever happens, happens. And I think that's what this team is doing right now. Um, and it's electric to watch. And like you said, kind of one of the best def- defensive, if not the best defensive performance I've seen in my life uh, last Saturday. Um, is it going to have to happen again? Probably not to that that sense because that was outstanding. But does we win? Defense is is going to have to keep doing what what they're doing. Um, you know, Zach Claris, like you said, is since he went to Winnipeg has been MOP every year except for this year, and it's because his teammate was was is kind of going to win it or or in the west side so just kind of stopping the run is is something yeah. Montreal struggled against the winnipeg in both games this year but if you could stop brady Oliveira, which not many teams have um that's huge for for getting the ball back uh in cody's hands and, and kind of letting him like i said before the short routes get the ball out quick um and let these these playmakers that they built around cody um kind of do what they've been doing all year yeah, 100%. 100%. I said it for, for my championship game on Saturday that I coached. If we can score four touchdowns, we're going to win this game. Our defense is good enough. If our defense can allow less than 28 points, we're going to win this game. I fell short, unfortunately. Um, but honestly, I think if in any capacity the Montreal Alouettes can score four times, they are going to win this game. I don't, I don't see that Alouettes defense coming off that performance, giving up four touchdowns. Um, it was, especially in the first half, kind of a bend don't break defense. I would say they got inside the 10, like three times in the first drive and came or or in the first half and came away with nothing. But, um, I think it's going to be a lot of the same this week, obviously AJ Willette and, um, Brady Oliveira are comparable in the sense that they're big, strong physical runners. I would take Brady Oliveira any day of the week, obviously, but, um, no, I think it's going to be I think it's going to be a super similar approach to the game, right? You 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 take that away, which the Alouettes did to to 
you know, some degree and you score early so that you, and especially in this CFL, you can't afford to hand the ball off and, and be faced with second and nine, second and eights. You, you just can't. Um, I think that's going to be huge for the game. And then obviously Winnipeg has some injury concerns too, right? We don't know. Um, I'm drawing a complete mind blank. The receiver, Nick Dembski. Yeah, Nick Dembski, Dalton Schoen. They're both questionable. They they were questionable for the West final. I, I'm sure obviously the extra week they'll be fine. But you know, they have they have some injury concerns too. And if we can get our guys back healthy, if we can see K on in there, um, you know, and, and especially now it's been a few weeks now, but this linebacking core with Bev, Reggie, Avery Williams, and Darnell Sankey, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. It, it was ridiculous before Avery Williams got back and healthy. It was ridiculous before Sankey signed. But the, the four of them, not on the field often together, but unreal. Like, they're just unreal. I think that's kind of another key to, to winning this game is what what is Noel Thorpe going to draw up with, with Bev and Reggie and even Wesley Sutton because he loves to blitz Wesley Sutton. Yep. Um, what is this going to look like at getting pressure on – um Zach Caleros because we've seen Caleros in in the past um kind of fold when he's under too much pressure so I think it, it's going to be a heavy blitz game here for Montreal and I love that uh, I love seeing Bev and Reggie kind of race to the quarterback yeah um you know Sean Lemon first ballot hall of famer in my opinion um and then just the way a guy that we haven't talked about a lot another another rookie the, the way Luol Uguak is, has looked the back half of the season, he played fantastic against Toronto and wasn't really talked about because of guys like Reggie and Sankey and Lemon. He's kind of a forgotten piece in, on this team. Um, if you want to look at it this way, he's the reason JD got released. Um, yeah. and, and the way he played, um, obviously we miss JD. We, we were big fans of JD, but he earned his playing time um week in and week out and he's looked fantastic ever since he's gotten that expanded role um so that's not a guy you can forget about if if you're uh winnipeg and and even sankey the way that noel thorpe's kind of been using sankey in the blitz game um he's drawing up some creative blitzes uh you look at look at uh, mustafa johnson in the middle this this front seven for the alouettes is, is ridiculous and it's it's something that caleros like i said it has been a little bit panicky when he's under pressure sometimes. Mm-hmm. So you got to come out and you kind of got to hit Caleros early. Uh, and I think Noel Thorpe and his defense are, are kind of the best to, to do that at this point. Yeah. And then flipping over to the offensive side of the ball, if you've watched just a few episodes of the bird flock, you've probably heard this mentioned in as many episodes as you've watched, dude. I just think if you're going to do it, this is the week you got to find a way to get Fletch in the lineup. Like, it's so sad. I At this point, we're in the Grey Cup. I don't get why you re-signed him. I don't get it at all. He would have gone somewhere and been a huge piece of a puzzle, but we're we're not letting him. I don't get it. And it's probably not going to happen in the Grey Cup because it hasn't happened all year, but now is the time to get Fletch in the lineup. He's such a dynamic, electric piece, and he compliments William Stanback so fucking well. Excuse my language. He compliments him so well. And I, I I just don't get how they haven't found the ability to to fit him in the lineup. Maybe again, I don't know how the ratio has been working, but maybe with K on coming back, you have that extra Canadian spot used up. You can 
fit an extra American in there somewhere and have Fletch in there. But I think for the Grey Cup, and it, it depends on the weather too, getting into November, snow becoming a threat, I think you have to have Stanback, Fletcher, and Antwi all dressed for this game. Yeah, I think I think absolutely. Um, it's no secret I, I might be Walter Fletcher's biggest fan in Montreal. Um, like you said, I, I, every week I've kind of questioned how he isn't in the lineup. But yeah, uh, <clears throat> no secret there to people that listen. But um, just like you said, um, he compliments William Stanback so well, and you know, looking just looking at the betting lines. Um, you know, it started as minus seven and a half for Winnipeg. It's it's kind of now moved to minus eight and a half. Um, it's a game that you're probably based off in the way that both games went against Winnipeg, you're probably gonna have to pass the ball a lot. Yeah. Um and there's no better running back in this offense to do that than Walter Fletcher. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not saying that Antwi and, and Stanback can't do that because they have proven all year that they can, <laughs> but there's no one we saw it last year um, <clears throat> in this offense. Well, uh, Walter Fletcher with the ball in his hands out of the backfield is a mismatch every single time on a linebacker. There is not a linebacker in this league, aside from probably his teammate, Reggie Stubblefield, that can cover Walter Fletcher. No. as At the linebacker position. Now, if you have a halfback on him, that's a different yeah. story. But we're talking pure lined up in the Sam or Will. Um, if you have a mic on him, then you just don't know what you're doing. But um, so I think he's he's got to be on this roster. Um, is he gonna be? I would bet probably not. But um, I'm praying that he is, and I would love to see that guy um, kind of make plays in the open uh, in Hamilton on Sunday. I would absolutely love it. Oh man, I I just like I don't even know what to say. Like I didn't, I didn't prepare anything over the last few weeks because, in all honesty, call me a bad fan. I did not expect this. Like, Look, I, I don't think anybody really expected. I think there was, I think you know, talking to some of my friends today and and, and asking me about Bird Flock and asking me, um, kind of how excited I am. Some one of them said it kind of the best. Um, is we were hopeful we'd be here, but we weren't expecting to be here. Type of thing. 100%. Um. That was the best way, and I think, you know, I, no matter how how much we try and say we thought Montreal would be here, even the players know that we're lying if we say we th- we expected Montreal to be here. Hundred percent. Um, so, like we said, hopeful that we win this game, and honestly, we're at the point where I'm bought in. I am bought in. Oh, no, I I genuinely think we're gonna. I'm win. bought in. I genuinely do. Yeah. I I wouldn't fuck with a team this hot. It was kind of like the Habs when they went to the cup final. It was like, okay, if they get there, if you don't believe at this point, why are you here? Yeah. Like, why not? Why not? Oh, man. I'm well, so excited. Let's hope it finishes better than it did for the Habs. <laughs> I'm uh, so excited, man. Later, we got a few minutes left here. We'll end it off. We do this all the time, okay? Give me... Let's start off with your X factor for this game. Your 100% defined X factor for the game. The Montreal Alouettes pass rush. 
any reasoning behind it or just stay dominant? Just kind of kind of like what I said before, kind of fluster Cody, uh Caleros and uh and not let him let him get the ball off. Kind of to those big three receivers that um Winnipeg uses so well. Yeah. I'm going complete opposite. I'm going Al's O line. We need to keep Cody upright. They were my second, yeah. Keep Cody upright by any means necessary, which in the second half of the year was a great improvement over the first half of the year. I think Pio Lestage coming back is going to be great. He shores up that O-line. He is the best player on that O-line, in my opinion. Um, and I, I don't really care who it is as long as Justin. And not for nothing, he started off slow, but Nick Callender has been fantastic oh, in, in the back half of the season. I love him. He's been unreal. And, dude, stepping into a starting spot and playing a lot, Jamar McGloster has been a dog, too. Yeah. Like, he has been very, very good. Um, yeah, so that's my X factor. Keep Cody upright. And, obviously, on the flip of it, give Stanback and Antwi and hopefully Fletcher some lanes to run through because the Grey Cup, we all know, it's Canada. It's November 14th today. It'll be November freaking 18th or 19th or something. It's going to be cold. It's It might snow. Right, like just nothing better than a snow game. Nothing better than a snow gray cup. Um, but no, just give them lanes to run. Keep Cody upright. I think that's a huge factor in the game. That's without a doubt my X factor. If the Owls' offense, because at this rate it seems like the Owls' defense or special teams is good for a touchdown a week, which is mind blowing to say. But it seems like they're good for a touchdown a week. If the Owls' offense can score three, I think we're in great shape. All right. Agreed. Give me your official 2023 Grey Cup score winner and score prediction. I would just like to, before I say this, say that in games at Tim Hortons Field this season, Montreal is 2-0, Winnipeg is 0-1. Ladies and gentlemen, on Sunday night, you will be seeing that Grey Cup handed to Cody Fajardo. The Montreal Alouettes, 25. The Winnipeg Blue Bombers, 22. The Owls defense gets it done on the last drive. Man. All right. Well, I said it all show. If the Owls can score four touchdowns, we're in business. In my prediction, the Owls score four touchdowns. Final score, 34-31 Montreal. David wow. Cote, game-winning field goal for his home province with under a minute to go, and then the Owls' defense gets it done. Bro, and, this... and and wait, and Reggie Stubblefield comes down with a pick on a Hail Mary, and for whatever reason, like he always does, tries to run it back <laughs> instead of taking a knee, and people start storming the field, but he's still trying to score. And then finally, Tyrese Beverett tackles Reggie Stubblefield, and the Owls win the Grey Cup. Bro, if if Cote hits a walk off field goal, I'm gonna tear my apartment to shreds in excitement. Dude, I'm gonna you're gonna want to you're gonna want a camera in my apartment because I'm gonna run through this apartment. I'm gonna run through a wall if he kicks that field goal. So I'm going streaking on the streets of Sherbrooke if that happens. All right, Shaner, give me your 2023. Now that we know the Alouettes are winning the Grey Cup, your 2023 Grey Cup most outstanding Canadian. Tyson Philpott. I love it. I'm going other side of the ball. He has not let us down all year. 
Mark Antoine de Croix is going to have a pick in this game. He's going to have a forced fumble or something. He is your 2023 most outstanding Canadian of the Grey Cup. For the province. And Shaner, your MVP. Frank Clark. <laughs> Might be a shock. Might be a shock. Sean Lemon. I'm going the same exact thing. Oh, baby. I'm going the same exact thing. <laughs> oh, let's go. Dude, let's go. Game. He's going to oh, come yeah. out seeking vengeance. I'm Not vengeance. He's never really played for Winnipeg, but he's he's coming out. He's, he's going to be a pick, too. I almost picked Sankey. I was close to picking Sankey. Yeah. Oh, dude. What midseason acquisitions? That's I've crazy. never, never, ever in my life, off the top of my head, can I think of two guys coming in midseason having bigger impact? Off the couch, by the way. Yeah. Not trades. Like, not trades. Maybe, okay, Sankey kind of played in another yeah, league. Yeah, he played in the XFL. But whatever. He, he was on a break for a while. Mm-hmm. Off the couch, these guys came in. Crazy. We were begging for a pass rusher. What does Danny Mac do? Goes out and gets a first ballot Hall of Famer. Goes out and gets you the, the best pass rusher of the 2010, yeah. probably. And then we're begging for a linebacker when Williams goes down. What does he do? Goes out and gets probably the best emotional leader I've seen in a long time. Ever, yeah. Amazing. Danny Mac, there's no GM of the year, but you have the GM of the decade if they win this game, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Shaner... The uh, the clock here on our free Zoom is uh, is counting down pretty quickly, so I think we're gonna go ahead and end it here. Stay tuned to the Bird Flock Instagram all week. We're gonna have content there all week. But uh, Shane, are any last words here before we end her off? I don't know if I'm more excited or more nervous. I'm excited. I'm like talking to you now. Just got the excitement levels, but all day I've been nervous. Yeah. So I don't know. It's gonna be I a long. Seen the Owls in the Grey Cup since I was like twelve years old. Uh, I was ten the last time they they went into a Grey Cup. Uh, AC starting at QB. Ben Cahoon, Jamel Richardson, SJ Green. Well, what a Times squad! Were Times were different. What a squad! But here we go. We got AC calling the plays, man. Hey. Believe, baby, we made it this far. I believe. I really believe. If you don't believe, get the fuck out. Yeah, shut the fuck up. Get the fuck out. All right. Well, Shaner, go Owls go for the last time this year. And, uh, hey, win, lose, or draw. We'll be back next week. But uh, it's going to be a win. And if the Owls win, Shane's going to join the next episode uh, with a shaved head. Oh, wow. <laughs>